You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered. Listener-supported. Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Brandon Blewett. And I'm Noelle Herhusky Schneider. This is the WFHB Local News for Monday, November 20th, 2023. In today's feature report, local journalist Dave Askins takes a look at the transition between current Mayor John Hamilton and Mayor-elect Carrie Thompson, who assumes office on January 1st, 2024. More in today's feature report. There are a lot of organizations that they've got programs that happen every day, rain or shine, holiday or no holiday. Please help us fill the gap this holiday season. That's Michelle Moss from the Bloomington Volunteer Network. Find out which local nonprofits need extra help this holiday season later in the show on a new episode of Activate. But first, your daily headlines. The Monroe County Board of Health met on November 16th. Public Health Preparedness Coordinator Christina Kemp gave an update from her department. I just wanted to mention, um, I talked briefly the phases of public health emergency management, being mitigation, preparedness, response, and recovery. And I just wanted to give a couple examples. So mitigation, um, that's you know providing immunizations, providing public health awareness programs, um, health inspections. So that's that mitigation component of it. Um, preparedness, it's having plans, having, you know, backups of um, supplies, having a way to, again, function outside of this physical building. Response, um, using our staff as necessary and moving them to where we need them in our in incident command structure. Initiating disease control operations, um, sanitation activities, and so forth. Um, also setting up pods, things like that. And then recovery is, um, you know, kind of returning back to normal and, you know, looking at were we compliant with everything? Did what, what needed to be done that we didn't do or what did we do well? You know, look, having a hot wash, um, an after action report and improvement plan so we can do things better. Um, deactivating shelters, you know, getting things back to normal, um, supplies, staff, and so forth. So um, there's lots of other little pieces, again, of these plans. They just go on and on and on with the annexes and the appendices and so forth. And if you're ever more interested in a specific plan, I'm happy to review that at any point. Following the Futures Clinic Manager Evan Thesis Department update, Board member Sarah Ryderbrand asked if they have a sense for if the community knows about the Futures Family Planning Clinic as a local resource. Thies responded. Do you sense that the community at large knows about Futures? And um, do we need to be broadcasting it more broadly? Yeah, I think um, we have a relatively strong referral network. Um, we work really closely with DIS, um, disease intervention specialists, even like um, HealthNet. A lot of our referrals come from, um, you know, PauseLink. We work really closely, I think, with our community, and I think that alone has been helpful. I, like I said, I'm new, so I'm not 
like I can't speak to um, like what's been done in the past, but even I used to work at Planned Parenthood uh, for almost two years before this. So I referred patients, you know, to or to features. Um, you know, like we were aware generally of the title clinic, but I think certainly the, the transition from Peggy to our new nurse practitioner um, has been difficult, especially just with Peggy. I know she had increased visit times um, on her way out. And then, sorry, I want to make sure I answered your question. Well, just conditional whether we needed to let more people know whether it's about communicating with the township trustees mm -hmm. to let them know that this is a great place to send people who are in need of services. Um, I just, I don't know how broadly the community is aware of teachers. Well, to be quite honest, I don't. I, I think that um, mentioning that period is, is worthwhile. Um, if they don't know about it, then it's a good opportunity to teach them. If they do, then everybody knows somebody that I think that could benefit from the services. Board member Stephen Pritchett asked about the foot traffic the clinic sees on a daily basis. Thies shared that they see about six patients per day. Edna, how's our utilization for the hours that we're open? Are we busy there all the time? Or we can see more people, right? Yeah, I, I yeah. think so. Um, on average, we see per schedule generally about six patients per day, one per hour. Um, I think a lot of that, I was kind of expecting this question. I think a lot of that is complexity of visit. Um, we often spend over an hour with our patients and additionally just getting patients to come in the door. Um, we can schedule patients all day, but they might not show up, right? So I think it's certainly worth investing in that. Um, but I mentioned one of my personal goals is patient portal. Um, texting our patients, emailing them, calling them like sometimes doesn't suffice. Um, Oftentimes, our patients' numbers change, or they use services that might expire, for example. Um, so I, I do think that's a good question. Um, but I think especially with telehealth and PACVU, it brings a lot of opportunity to break apart this complexity that we're seeing in appointments. Um, I think from IHC, we get a lot of, maybe not a lot of pressure, but it's encouraged that we approach our patients with complexity because we're aware that that might be the only time that they see a provider. Um, even that year, you know, oftentimes people go to UINs are their only um, physician, especially our patient populace. So I I appreciate that our nurse practitioner values um, the complexity of these patients and things, the concerns they're presenting with. And to be fair too, a lot of referrals get made via that. And so I think it strengthens our community bonds and whatnot. Health Department Director Lori Kelly gave an update and shared that they would be able to hire a new health educator in 2024. And council uh, recently approved a new position, so we'll be um, able to post for another health educator. This will be the Behavioral Health and Wellness Coordinator um, beginning sometime in 2024. Later, the board discussed filling the last two positions on the board. Writer Brand said she spoke with the commissioner who is in charge of filling one of the open positions, who shared they're having a hard time finding a Republican physician to fill the vacant spot. Um, I did speak to one of the council members um, at, the, at the luncheon the other day, and she said, we just don't know enough Republicans that would fit the bill. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the limit that the boards are running up against. 
So anyone who has any suggestions about Republicans? The board generated some ideas of people to contact to reach members of the Republican Party who might be interested and qualified for the position. The next Monroe County Board of Health meeting will be held on December 21st. At the Monroe County Commissioner's meeting on November 15th, Director of the Monroe County Airport, Carlos Laverty, gave an update on their recent successful Federal Aviation Administration certification. Last week, uh, went through our uh, annual FAA certification, certification inspection. Uh, all uh, 139 airports which receive commercial service have to go through that. And because we receive the 100 or so uh, airline flights a year, we have to live under the same regulation and criteria that, you know, uh, O'Hare does too. So uh, for a small airport like us, uh, it's a little taxing because uh, we have uh, some stringent standards and some extra painting and signs that we have to maintain out there as long as, and the training as well. So uh, I'm, I'm really pleased to say that uh, uh, for the first time in a long time here, and it's not a very common occurrence for any airport, but we received a, uh, uh, our results uh, was that the, the, there, were, there were no findings uh, for our airport whatsoever, which uh, for me was uh, a huge accomplishment. Um, uh, in, the, in the past five years, we, I, we and I, we, the whole team, we put a tremendous effort into kind of revamping our processes and controls uh, our training, everything's been revamped. Our records keeping, um, and there was a there was a you know a little bit of a cultural change that had to take place, and so there were some growing pains as far as uh, uh, how we documented things and how we conducted our training. So uh, to get a results of no finding was was really exciting for us, probably more so than anybody else in the community. I would really geek out on that, but. As part of that, though, I really wanted to make a point to, to thank the county and uh, county council uh, um, enacted this policy earlier this year where they allowed us to any department to overlap with. Uh, we had an outgoing assistant airport director and we were given the opportunity to hire the new onboard the new person uh, with ample opportunity for those two to cross train. Uh, before the 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 act the the existing departed, so we had about eight weeks of those folks working together. So our outgoing, who had just kind of gotten up to speed and was learning himself because he was, you know, just a couple of years out of college, uh, was able to hand over this uh, this training and, and inspection program to our our new fella. And I firmly believe because of that overlap and and the county's foresight that that really kind of helped push us that much closer to the successful outcome. So I really wanted to, just to thank you for the entire county organization for that. And for all the support that you kind of, you continue to show the airport with recent equipment acquisitions, we really appreciate it making life easier for us. And um, I just want to say thank you and share the good news. Planning Department Director Jackie Nestor-Jellen gave an update on the listening sessions they held to get public input on the Monroe County Development Ordinance. I just want to make a note, um, it's been in the newspaper lately, so I just want to provide a little bit more clarification for the public this morning. So uh, the CDO is our zoning subdivision and zoning draft map um, together. So the last time our ordinance was updated was in 1997. So the county development ordinance is working to update 
uh, the text and the zoning map together and um, that is hopefully ready for public adoption sometime in 2024. So most recently we put together four CDO listening sessions. These were hosted out in the county uh, areas such as the new uh, Southwest Public Library. We did Ivy Tech, um, two other locations as well. And so we had an opportunity for the public to come and speak. These uh, were attended and um, basically what we're working on right now, module two of the CDO is focusing on the draft zoning map as well as the use table. So we're encouraging people to provide us with any feedback that they have on this module two in an effort to kind of wrap up what we had in August and September from those listening sessions. We've provided the public just with a, a sort of a, a date of November 17th to try and get us that feedback, although there'll be a lot of other opportunities moving forward for the public to comment. Um, so this date, November 17th, is just to allow the plan commission and planning staff to have a chance to collect and analyze some of the information we're gathering from the public and reincorporate that back into the CDO to keep it moving forward. Um, but as I mentioned, um, we're still in the drafting process, so it's important for people to get engaged, but um, by, by all means, we'll still have future opportunities for engagement. Later in the meeting, County Attorney Jeff Cockrell presented an agreement with VET Environmental Engineering to complete an environmental review of the Thompson site. Yes, and this is the one that has the uh, the karst assessment in it. So that that the that review is is part of this, um, just over four thousand dollars part of this, as well as the uh, wetlands and jurisdictional waters delineation. If you recall, I asked last week for it to be approved at the work session and ratified here because we needed them to begin work before the leaves have fallen. I, I can tell you in my yard the leaves have fallen, and so it was good that we got that that done um again we get we did a similar wetlands and jurisdictional water delineation we were looking at fullerton the fullerton site and it was extremely helpful in understanding what was going on on that property and so i discussed this with our consultants with dlz and they thought it would also be helpful when examining this property to have this information Commissioner Penny Githens commented that residents expressed concerns about flooding nearby and that this investigation would help ensure the new jail would not harm their properties. The commissioners approved the agreement unanimously. The next Monroe County Commissioner's meeting will be held on November 29th. In today's feature report, local journalist Dave Askins takes a look at the transition between current Mayor John Hamilton and Mayor-elect Carrie Thompson, who assumes office on January 1st, 2024. We turn to Askins for more. The B-Square Bulletin sends out an emailed morning bulletin every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You can sign up for the morning bulletin by visiting bsquarebulletin.com and clicking on the tab labeled subscribe. Here's an entry from a recent edition, board and commission appointments. Who should make them? The recent letters written by Mayor-elect Kerry Thompson and current Mayor John Hamilton seem to indicate that the transition between administrations has so far not been perfectly smooth. 
for a question like the sale of the Third Street Police Station, I think that if someone opposes the sale, it's easier to say that it's a decision best left for the next administration to handle. For someone who supports the sale of the police station, it's easier to say that it's the current mayor who should decide the question. Of course, the city council will have the final say about the sale of the police station, and the same considerations will apply to the city council's decision. Should the current council defer to the city council of 2024, or should the current council consider this question to be a part of the job they have an obligation to do for four years, not three years and 11 months? Of course, it's possible to take the view that doing the job as a city council member just means going ahead and voting on the question of the sale and casting a vote against it. Even though the sale of the police station and the Showers West renovations loom large on the current political landscape, it's worth remembering some of the more routine decisions that get made every year. For example, before the end of this year, there are appointments to boards and commissions that could be made by the council and mayor for terms that start in 2024. Among the boards and commissions that have a lot of influence on local life are the Redevelopment Commission, or RDC, and the Plan Commission. There are three seats on the five-member RDC that need to be appointed by the mayor for 2024. And of the five plan commission seats that are appointed by the mayor, two of them have terms starting in 2024. Bloomington's local code makes clear that it would be perfectly acceptable for the mayor to make appointments in mid-December for terms starting the following year. But it is by no means a requirement. That we know from the lawsuit that was filed by Andrew Gunther in 2020, over a plan commission appointment that was not made by the mayor until a few months into the year. So it is a fair, if somewhat boring question to ask, should the mayor go ahead and make the RDC and plan commission appointments or leave that to his successor? Until next week, this has been Dave Askins with the B-Square Bulletin for WFHB. During the holidays, many local nonprofits need to fill the gap created when their regular volunteers are out of town or busy with family. Michelle Moss with the City of Bloomington Volunteer Network has a special page on the Volunteer Network website where you can sign up to make a big difference without a big commitment. Michelle has a few examples for you on a new episode of Activate, coming your way right now on the WFHB Local News. Welcome to Activate, featuring real people working for positive change in our community, encouraging you to get involved, live your passion, and make a difference. Hi, I'm Michelle Moss with the City of Bloomington Volunteer Network. So the Bloomington Volunteer Network is a local organization housed in the Community and Family Resources Department. Uh, we match organizations from Monroe County and surrounding counties with volunteers 
organizations can post listings for opportunities and volunteers can find interesting opportunities that fit their skill set. What I'm here to do today is to talk about filling the gap opportunities and with holidays coming up there are a lot of organizations that they've got programs that happen every day. Fill the gap is a chance for organizations that need extra bodies during times of the year where people are on vacation, students are out of town, they still need bodies to fill those ongoing positions. So there are a couple of upcoming opportunities that are taking place specifically for Thanksgiving and the weekend after Thanksgiving. Uh, some of those would be Wheeler Mission, for example. They are looking for volunteers to serve meals. They're also looking for food items to serve for the meal. And uh, then the City of Bloomington Parks and Recreation, they've got a big holiday market that takes place the Saturday after Thanksgiving. So finding volunteers to do the different activities and host the booths and make sure that everything is taken care of is something that they need some assistance doing. So that's a fill the gap type of an opportunity. Um, there are lots of other organizations that fall into this category. We've got Boys and Girls Club, Beacon Shalom Center, Opportunity House, you've got Community Kitchen. Again, they're the situation where they need food items and potentially bodies to help serve. They have programs every day, rain or shine, holiday or no holiday. So they need assistance. Hoosier Hills Food Bank, Pantry 279, Mother Hubbard's Cupboard, to just mention a few of the organizations that would need somebody to help out, especially during holiday time. So the Bloomington Volunteer Network has a page dedicated to fill the gap opportunities. You can find a listing of the organization. You can click on the name, go to the organization page, see exactly what they do, what kind of help they might be needing. There also are phone numbers listed there. So if you wanted to contact somebody and say, hey, I'm only available X hours, but I'd love to help. Can you use me? My guess is they're gonna say yes. So it just offers an opportunity to to do something meaningful and some volunteers they're not looking for an ongoing commitment so it's a really good way to actually get in being a fill the gap volunteer that provides you with a chance to make a really big difference without having to worry about a giant commitment or you might end up deciding that hey this was really fun and I'm going to sign up and do this again in some other capacity with this group. The holidays are a wonderful time for people to feel that spirit of giving and a lot of people do want to reach out and do something extra and people a lot of people will actually budget for the holidays with the idea idea of providing something to somebody else in the community as a way of giving thanks and showing their gratitude and helping to spread some joy to somebody else. So if you are interested in finding out more about Fill the Gap opportunities, you can find these listed on the BloomingtonVolunteerNetwork.org website. You can actually go to BloomingtonVolunteerNetwork.org slash FillTheGap and you will find a listing of opportunities that specifically are looking for volunteers this time of year. BloomingtonVolunteerNetwork.org slash FillTheGap. Again, I'm Michelle Moss with Bloomington Volunteer Network. Please help us fill the gap this holiday season. You've been listening to Activate, true stories from friends and neighbors who stand up for what they believe in. Activate is a partnership between WFHB and the City of Bloomington Volunteer Network, working together to build a strong, healthy, and engaged community. 
with production support from students in the media school at Indiana University. You can learn more about volunteer opportunities in the WFHB listening area online at bloomingtonvolunteernetwork.org. That's bloomingtonvolunteernetwork.org. for the WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com. been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Noelle Herhusky Snyder in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Dave Askins. Activate is produced by Chad Carruthers and Michelle Moss. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producer is Katie Young. For WFHB, I'm Noelle Herhusky Schneider. And I'm Brandon Blewett. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at wfhb.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters, WFHB, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. Stay tuned for With Good Reason, coming up next on WFHB. WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB Local News Volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB Local News Archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB Local News. We are local, longer, 